I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Rogue Report Extra podcast and once again it's me, James Lawson, sitting in for Graham. This week I'm delighted to be joined by Max from the Gascast. How are you doing today, Max? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, very well. Very well, thanks. Um, unfortunately, I'm afraid uh, to start this one, obviously we're previewing the Sunderland Bristol Rovers game. I've got a look at the league table and I see you guys are down in 21st, four points from safety. Is that a fair reflection on how you guys have been getting on? Yeah, I'd say so. You know, this table doesn't lie after this many games. We've struggled for large parts of the season, particularly at home against bottom half sides. And in a few of those games, you know, a lot of our fans have been saying, oh, we've been unlucky if we haven't hit the crossbar there. That was a lucky goal we conceded there. But for me, at this stage of the season where we're nearly hitting Christmas, you you don't you're not at this end of the table if you're not if you're if you're good enough to to stay up for me. So. Yeah, the table doesn't lie. We are where we are and it's a fair reflection. Okay, and why do you think it is that you've not been able to sort of match performances of previous years? Because you guys have had two seasons back in League One now where you've been comfortably mid-table. What sort of changed this year compared to others? It's probably the core nucleus of um, previous year's squads moving on that's affected it most because um, we had this squad in in the conference uh, four years ago that uh, got promoted and it was such a good squad that we got back-to-back promotions to League One and that squad was pretty much the it, we had most of that squad still in League in League One for two seasons and uh, as window by window went past the odd one would leave and we would replace them but with someone who wasn't as good or didn't have that sort of team spirit that was still going from the promotion years so it's sort of that fading away and being replaced with players who on paper look better players but in reality, haven't been. And so, yeah, it's sort of been the case for the new players not gelling, which, yeah, which yeah. is always a problem, always can be. And sort of that's something that, that's sort of on our minds really is if we do go up, how many of our players stay? How sure. do you replace yeah. them? How do you keep that sort of good feeling going? Um, obviously, breaking news, recording this on the Thursday evening, round about lunchtime, it was announced that Daryl Clark's been sacked. Is that something that sort of took you guys by surprise? I was just sort of wanting to get a sense of what your immediate reaction to that news was? I wouldn't say there's massive surprise. Um, the only surprise that's that's come through from it is the fact that the owners have had the sort of the backbone to do it because uh, at the minute in the club, there's a bit of disdain between the fans and the owners. The owners promised a lot of things when they came in two years ago that they haven't delivered on. And uh, the managers vocally made that clear 
um, particularly in his, his last couple of interviews before he was sacked. And a lot, I guess a lot of the fans think that the owners, because they haven't been too, uh, they haven't splashed their cash very much and they've been quite frugal with their money, that they would be willing to pay up Daryl Clark's contract, uh, considering he signed a five-year deal about two years ago um, on a considerable wage. So, it's, um, yeah, it's it's a bit of a surprise in that aspect. But footballing terms, I think um, any other manager would have been sacked long before this point. But, you know... Uh, Daryl sort of had bought himself a little bit of time um, because of what he's done for us in the past. But yeah, well, I'm not overly surprised, if I'm honest. Do you think the club will benefit from a new voice coming in? Because he has been at the club a good five years, which is so long, especially in the Football League, where managers, what, is, is it even a year that they average now? Do you think that maybe there will be sort of an immediate bump you get from the new manager? Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair to say. Um I think a fresh head is needed, it, definitely. I mean, the players seem to have lost their way. Um, it's hard hard to say if the players have been playing for the manager or not. I guess we'll find out in the next five six games. Um, but I, I definitely think we need a we need a fresh manager in with a clear head. I was looking at the odds for the next manager, and it's it, at first it looks really promising when I checked at noon. Now I don't know if a few people have ruled themselves out. Last time I checked, it was. Cottrell, Steve Cottrell and Paul Hurst who were sort of leading the way are they two managers that appeal to yourself in terms of options you'd like I was, I was sort of wanting to get a sense of who the Bristol fans want in Cottrell is a no for me he's uh, he's an ex-Bristol City manager um, who's been quite um, vocally had a few digs at Rovers in the past so he's one of those that sort of if he would come in he'd divide the fan base and I don't think we need that at the minute at such a crucial point in the season um, no doubt he he is a good manager at this level, but for me, I think there's better suited options. Yeah, and Cottrell was at Sunderland as well, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was. He was awful. He, well, well, I say he was awful. I don't know how much sort of responsibility he bears, but it was him and Howard Wilkinson who took over from Peter Reid the year we were relegated from the Premier League with 19 points. Yeah, I want to say we were on 16 points when we sacked Peter Reid just after Christmas, people will be shouting. They'll, they'll know the answer. We were listening <laughs> yeah. to this podcast, yeah. but off memory, it was around about Christmas time. I think he got about four points in 15 games. Didn't even see out the whole season. Yikes. He's obviously built up a reputation, done some good jobs at Burnley since then, done some not good jobs, but I always sort of associate with him with that. And then, yeah, like you said, he comes across quite arrogant in interviews, yeah. comes across quite a slimy figure. Um, I think yeah. he, came up against us last year at Birmingham City and they obviously had him, sacked him and improved since he's gone. So, yeah, he's he's not one I'd looked at and like. Um, what sort of names are being banded around amongst the Bristol fans as people they'd like him? Cottrell has, has been talked about a lot because he's been seen at a few games recently. I think um, he's he's friends with someone on the board maybe, but um, that's that's mainly why his odds came down so quickly and he became the, the favourite. But... Um, yeah, with the odds market, it's, it's not a fair reflection. People just bet based on the rumours and the odds get brought down. Um, I don't think anyone's got any real idea of who, what kind of manager we're going to appoint. But um, for me personally, a lot of people are talking about Holloway because he's obviously a Bristol Rovers legend. He's managed us in the past. Um, he's out of work at the minute. Um, but I think Holloway for me is he's good mates with Daryl Clark. So um, and I think Daryl Clark is quite anti-board. And we, I think we just need someone with a clear head who who is happy to just work the footballing side. Um, a lot of Rovers fans are unhappy with the stuff off the pitch. We don't need the manager to also tell 
tell us how unhappy he is with the stuff off the pitch. We all know that. I think we need a manager who's going to come in, keep us up, and and just do the job at hand. Because Daryl had a good budget this year to get us mid-table and push up the table, and we should not be in the bottom four with the budget he had. I was wanting to sort of get a sense of who had the responsibility in terms of signing players this summer and maybe where that's gone wrong and maybe if you could touch on some of the promises that haven't been kept that you alluded to earlier. And yeah. we're obviously familiar with bad owners with uh, Ellis Shaw yeah, just left in the summer and it'd be interesting to see what's been going on with you guys. Yeah, so I'll try my best to keep a long story short here because it is, it is quite a long tale, but... Um, we had uh, we had an, an owner called Nick Higgs, um, and he had a board. Um, we had them for about 10, 15 years, I believe. I'm probably wrong on the numbers. It was a bit before my time as a fan. Um, but, um, yeah, they basically spent a long time trying to build a stadium, um, which would be financed through UWE, which is the University West of England, and it would sort of be like a partnership with them and that they'd fund it. Um, we would sell our existing ground and then pay the, the gap in the financing for this new stadium um, and it was called the UE Stadium which is a big project and it all looked very promising um, but for whatever reason um, it seemed to tick along for a long time we got the planning permission to um, build a Sainsbury's on our current ground and sell it and we got the planning permission for the new ground but then nothing happened for a long time um, and then it eventually came out that Sainsbury's didn't actually want to build a Sainsbury's on the land anymore because of the way that the supermarket industry is going. So they tried to pull out of the deal. We took them to court. We lost in court. We lost a lot of money in court. And then basically Nick Higgs had to sell the club because he'd run out of money uh, and we were going into a lot of debt. So Nick Higgs sold the club to the Alcardi family two years ago, who are the current owners. Um, They're a Jordanian family. Um, While while Alcardi is our club president and um, He's a big, big football fan. He was he was educated in London. He he's a big Chelsea fan, and he he basically wanted to um, to run a football club. But the rest of the family, as it now turns out, aren't quite so keen. They promised a lot of stuff when they came in. They said that they would build the UE Stadium without having to sell the Memorial Stadium to Sainsbury's. They could fund it themselves. They promised a new training ground, which they they bought land for. Um, and a lot of this just hasn't happened. Um, the UE, UE seems to have gone dark. Um, seems like it's deal off on that case. Maybe UE don't want to build it. Maybe the family don't want to fund it. Um, and the training ground's just mothballed. There's been no plans. We just spent £1 million on a field and nothing's happened. So the club is stagnating. And, and we're a club which gets about um, 8000 9000 at home on average. Uh, we are, for our size, a League One club. But we have potential to be a championship club, but that will never happen unless money is put into the infrastructure to bring us out of the 1980s. Because we play in a rugby ground and we train in a rented field, and that's where we are in 2018. Wow! Yeah, so it does very much sound like, yeah, these these guys have sort of made big promises and then been quite silent, not really done a lot, left all the football inside to Daryl Clark. Would I be right in thinking that there's no sort of director of football or or real obvious sort of scouting system? Is that is that fair? Was it sort of Daryl yeah. Clark does everything? Yeah. When Daryl came in it was it was him, the assistant manager Marcus Stewart and coach Steve Yates. And it was just the three of them. And that was the entire backroom staff I believe we had a physio as well um, but as the years have gone by we've added to it so we've added a defensive coach um, uh, you know physio more to the physiotherapy team 
But generally, Daryl's always been in charge of his own signings. He's um, He was very knowledgeable in the non-league and League Two, signed some very good players. Um, but coming up to League One, he struggled. So we have hired a chief scout this summer. Um, I'm not sure how many of the signings were his. Um, we don't have a director of football. Generally, the signings have all been the manager's signings. Um, we don't really have a an infrastructure like that or a model like that where the owners or the or the director of football chooses the players and the and the manager just coaches. It's it's he's one of those managers that I think he likes to do all the playing side himself and signing the players and his squad, his team. Um, and I think that's generally the way we've always operated as a club. We've never really had um, a manager who just who's more of a coach in a long time, at least. Okay, so that means that this decision that's coming up is just so crucial in terms of who you appoint because there's obviously a hell of a lot riding on it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's, there is a lot riding on it. Um, it's potentially the difference between um, relegation and staying up and trying to build and push on in the next few years. So um, it is important that we get the right man. Um, I have honestly no clue who I would appoint. I'm not sure if I go Paul Hurst. Um, I think... Maybe he's good at operating on a small budget, but historically, Paul Hurst, for me, hasn't done a great deal in the Football League. He got Grimsby promoted, but then left Grimsby for Shrewsbury. Um, didn't quite get Shrewsbury promoted and then left them for Ipswich and then did horrendously at Ipswich. So, um, I don't know, maybe he's maybe Paul Hurst is a good option, but uh, it's, it's a difficult one. I wouldn't want to be in their position choosing this manager what if it's such an important decision as well. Yeah, no, Hurst's an interesting name because it's something that we've discussed before on the podcast is Ipswich were interested in getting Jack Ross. Paul Hurst was obviously available. He ended up at Ipswich. We hired Jack Ross before Ipswich could get their hands on him. And it could easily have been a situation where Hurst was our manager. Obviously, Ipswich was a total disaster for him. And you do sort of wonder how different things might have been if Ross had gone to Ipswich or if they were a doom club anyway, or or what the sort of scenario is and, and how good Hurst really is. So that, it's a really interesting one where he goes next. Yeah, how for sure. How much of a doom chalice Ipswich was and how much he was unlucky, whether he needed more time, because they've not done that much better under Lambert. So it's going to be really fascinating to see whether they do turn things around or whether it is just a case of Paul Hurst not being that great and being flavour of the month. Yeah, and for sure. Yeah, maybe not being that good. Um, is there any sort of obvious tactical mistakes that Clark was making or any team selections that you think um, your team will instantly improve with yeah, him pot- not being there? Potentially. Um, Daryl's generally tried to make a 4-3-3 work in League One. Um, with um, He likes to play wingers who aren't wingers, but more inside forwards. Um, and as a result, we don't have a great deal of width. Um he likes to play right-sided wingers on the left and left-sided ring- wingers on the right, have them cut inside and shoot because um, he likes to have three options going forwards and have a compact midfield. But it has it's never really worked um, unless you've got the strikers to make it work and we just don't. So I'd like to see us maybe switch to a more traditional wing play tactic. Um, I don't think we'll go 4-4-2 right at your place. I think we'll probably go 5-3-2. Um, but again, we don't have really have the wing backs to make that work. I guess the Daryl's always made some strange decisions such as he occasionally plays attacking midfielders on wing, cutting inside. 
things like that. I think maybe we could benefit from having more natural wingers on their natural side and getting decent deliveries into the box, which is something we've struggled with for a number of years, really. Okay, so um, what do you know about the caretaker manager? I've not bothered. Le- I've, I saw his name and I was like, I'm not going to bother trying to yeah. dispronounce this- that. I'm going to be honest with you, James. I'm going to be honest with you. I literally not heard of him before today. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. he's, the, he's a defensive coach who was brought in in the summer, um, but I forgot his name and then I remembered he existed today. So, uh, yeah, his, uh, I think his name's Kevin Coughlin or Graham Coughlin. Graham Coughlin, that's right. Um, he's just a defensive coach. I think he's literally just a formality for the time being. Um, I personally would have put a senior pro in caretaker charge, um, but that, that's just me. I think it would be good to maybe put um, Chris Lyons, who's been at the club a long time, maybe put him as an interim charge because I think the players should be able to pick, should have to pick themselves the next few games um, and let the players decide for themselves what they think the best 11 is because uh, it could be difficult getting a new manager in if he doesn't know everyone's best positions, what the squad thinks they should be doing. Um, if, you've, if we don't want a clash of egos or anything, it's, it's difficult. But yeah, I don't really know too much about this caretaker guy, to be honest. He's a defensive coach, but I don't think our defence has improved too much this year. Yeah, that's dead interesting. Because from the outside looking in, for a second to happen on Thursday, I kind of think, was it even unanimous with the board? And then sort of the fact it was only until an hour later that it was confirmed that Marcus Stewart had left as well. It, it makes yeah. me seem as if there's been a bit of chaos at Bristol today. Whether that brings the players together and you play inspired football at our place or <laughs> where it goes the other way, I don't know. But it, it feels like a club that's kind of not really sure what it's doing at the moment. Is, is that fair? That's very fair. You know, I'd, I'd say it's in disarray. Um, the owners seem to be, when they're being asked all the time by fans, what is going on? Tell us what's going on. And they always res- seem to respond with, there are things we can't say through confidentiality. So that makes people think that something is going on, but then they, a lot of people seem to think we sh- we deserve to know what's going on because we're just being strung along. Um, and yeah, the club is in disarray and the players, they'll want to know what's going on for their futures as well. So um yeah, I think from your point of view, it's a really good time to play us. I mean, I would back I would back us to lose uh, by a couple of goals. Um, I guess we'll go on in a minute to talk a bit more about uh, our style of play versus your style of play and what kind of game we can expect. Yeah, exactly. That that's that's the perfect segue. I mean, we're sort of at a point where it's been a weird few weeks. We had the excellent performance against Barnsley playing four three three. And you yeah. think, here we go. And then just the cups got in the way. The FA Cup, the FA Cup replay, the Czech trade trophy. Yeah, the game called off lost with last week. And it's just a bit like we had all this momentum after beating Barnsley four two. And then all of a sudden it's like two and a half weeks later and you're like, What's what's going on? What have we actually done? It's like when did we last win a meaningful football match so it's one of those with us where I feel as if there's a sense at the moment that teams have found out our centre-back pairing a bit that teams are starting to play a bit more physical up front against us we've got two very good ball playing centre-backs they're both tall but neither of them are particularly big they're both quite wiry guys especially for this level and it feels as if if you've got pace if you've got power and if you've got height and real aerial specialists they can be got at and I feel as if there's a sense we kept a lot of clean sheets when we went on our win streak do we do we trust them and stick with them 
Or do we now maybe look at going back to a back three? Now we've got two senior centre-backs back fit in reserve. So that's kind of like a bit of a dilemma with us. We've also got Duncan Watmore, who has had two really serious injuries. But before then was an England under-21 international. He was playing and playing well for us in the Premier League before his first serious injury. And he might now be ready to play meaningful minutes in League One. So that's an exciting dilemma. Do we try and get two strikers on the pitch? Do we want him playing as a striker or do we want him challenging one of our best players in Lyndon Gooch for a spot on the right-hand side in a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-4-3? So we might change things up for this game. We might not. But generally, we started off as a short passing pressing side. We found that a lot of teams were getting into us. We were conceding first a lot. And we become a bit more streetwise and we were sort of a bit more direct without losing our principles during our win streaks. That's kind of where we're at. Where, where do you think Bristol are at heading into this one? To be honest, um, defensively, we, we're we not very big, a bit like yourselves, except without the ball playing ability. Um, we've got Tom Lockyer, he's our captain. He's 24 years old. Um, he's been with the club since he was a young lad. Um, he's 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 got over two hundred senior appearances, which for his age is very good. Um, he's not the biggest, uh, and he, although he is capped for Wales quite often, um, makes sporadic appearances for them. He hasn't, for me, shown that he is a capable League One centre back. Um, um, along with him, if we are playing five at the back or three at the back, however you want to look at it, I'll uh, be experienced uh, player Tony Craig who is for me not big enough to win crucial headers during a match and uh, James Clark at the other centre-back who is for me he's a league two conference level centre-back but he'll always give you a six out of ten seven out of ten game um, so height wise they aren't the biggest I don't think any of them are over six foot and that's a big worry and has been for us for a great number of years a great number of years now in uh, league one yeah. just that Daryl Clark has always sort of shied away from the traditional uh, big nasty center back um, so I think the style of play will try and play play will be five at the back three at the back wing backs um, try and hit you on the counter our strikers you say that you, you think if you, you struggle against big powerful direct strikers we don't have one of those really um, our striking options they've got um, we've got Gavin Riley who's about 5 foot 10 Scottish relatively quick not had much game time he's got one league goal Tom wow. Nichols who we uh, bought for a near club record £350,000 um, has got one league goal in 52 games which isn't great, if I'm honest. Why? Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a bit dreadful. Um, although, to be fair, I think Tom Nichols is one of our best uh, footballing players. He just doesn't stick it in the back of the net or get into the right positions. He's more of like a midfielder who plays up front. It's quite strange, really. Um, and then we've got Stefan Payne, who we signed from Shrewsbury for 200 grand in the summer. And he's a bit bigger. He's 6'2", I think, but he just is so lazy. And he looks like he doesn't want to be in the football club at all. He's got he's got two goals, one of which is a penalty. And then we've got uh, Alex Jakubiak on loan from Watford, who's probably the person I would back to be top goal scorer if he gets a decent run of games. But he's I think he's got no league goals or one league goal. Uh, you know, this is this is why we are where we are. Is we don't score goals. And if you've got a semi decent defence. And a, and a holding midfield, you should be fine against us. We 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 do seem to struggle to put it in the back of the net at all at the minute. 
Okay, wow. Yeah, no, those... those. So <laughs> how many goals Grim is your goals. top score on in the league? Um, that'd be Tom Lockyer with three goals. He's yeah, that's very, very Sunderland last few years. Yeah. <laughs> sort of, yeah. yeah. Um, I remember, I think, when own goals was our second top scorer heading oh, into geez. this sort of stage of the season. Yeah. Or the year we got relegated, Patrick Van Arnholt, I think he had four or five. As yeah. a defender who we sold in January, and he might have been second top scorer the year we went down. Yikes. So, I, yeah. yeah, I feel your pain on that one. It's quite I... interesting that you've got short centre backs because, I, I'm, yeah, I'm weeks behind on our podcast, but Gav, our editor, was sort of moaning about how how few corners we've scored from, and how many we get, and how a lot of the time it isn't the delivery; it's just that we're a short team. So it'll be interesting to see if. That's something we can capitalise on. But we don't really have tall strikers either. I mean, Josh Madger, who'll be starting up front, the 19-year-old wonder kids. He he's about 5'10. He's he's got good technique, good ability in the air, but he's he's never going to be one to dominate or bully a defense. He's someone who gets by on his skill and his technique. So yeah. it's interesting, interesting you say uh, you say about corners, about not scoring too many, because most of our, I'd say probably about half of our goals, a, th- a third of our goals have been set pieces um, and we are not doing well in the league. So I really don't think it makes a big deal, a big difference. The two years we got promoted, we were notoriously bad at set pieces. But if you're scoring plenty from o- open play, it really doesn't make much of a difference. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing that, that's been really good for us so far has been just that even when we're not at our best or playing well, I mean, we've scored in every league game. And it's been a case of we've got so many players with individual quality that one of them tends to do something brilliant. I mean, Chris Maguire scored like two worldy goals. Aidan McGeady's always had the ability to sort of drop a shoulder and bang one in from 20 yards. And then we've got Lyndon Gooch, who's a good, talented young player who's bailed out in a few games. Josh Madger, who every now and again does a Sergio Aguero, Daniel Sturridge impression. And catch the keeper <laughs> off guard so that's that's kind of been I mean sort of like I know that the not the 20 pods have talked about sort of the lack of chances we create and how it's yeah. not sustainable but that has been one thing that that so far even if we've not been at it and if, if it's been a tight game one of our players has stepped up and Max Power's back in the team now and he's another guy who's got the technique to give you two or three sort of worldies from outside the box yeah, it sounds like you've got a lot of goals in your team, um, particularly in the attacking areas. Um, I think um, Marja looks like a really big talent, like he's destined for big things. So, um, yeah, you, you, I've seen a couple of your games on the telly and I think particularly Maguire is a big, big threat. And he's probably the one I'd probably back to score in, against us if he plays, of course. Um, but, you know, Gooch is a bit of a football manager wonder kid for me uh, over the years. Um, I've always sort of liked like the prospect of him. He's uh, American, isn't he? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. he's yeah. Um, been capped to the national team before. I don't think he's been capped in maybe the last two years. It feels as if when we're in the Premier League, he was sort of more on their radar. Plus that, and he plays a similar position to Pulisic, who's obviously their wonder kid, their legitimate is he going to be a world-class player, the guy who was linked with Chelsea loads last yeah, yeah. month? So that probably hasn't helped. But he's yeah, he's he's played really well this year. It's the first year where he's been a regular starter for us. It, there's a feeling that he should have played more last year in the Championship. But it's one of those where he's 
he's not in the best of form, but he's the sort of guy, if he's isolated against any fullback in this league, you'd back him more times than not to beat him because he's, he's got good pace. He's, he's a little lad, but he's really strong. He like, yeah. used to be a running back in high school. And like he's got that sort of quick feet and that turn of pace. So he's he's been playing central midfield in our four three three. It's been magic okay. up front with Maguire and McGeady, who's been our best player for the last month, sort of flanking him. And then because we've had injuries in midfield, like Lee Catamole made his comeback in the FA Cup in midweek, but's probably going to be on the bench. So it's been sort of Max Power sitting, spraying passes with him and our captain George Honeyman in sort of like flanking roles, like, like a poor man's Vidal and Pogba when they used to flank yeah. Pirlo for I'm, for Juve a few years back. So I'm, I'm crying at how good your team is. It's, it makes me really upset. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, like, yeah, no, um, it's one of those where like like so we've had a lot of criticism because the performances haven't matched the talent. But yeah. a lot of that's probably been down to Max Power's injuries. And what we're hoping is now we've got him back. We can we can start to put the performances together. But it'll be interesting because a lot of the teams that are down near Bristol Rovers in the league, when we played them, have given us really tough games. Okay. But a lot of them have been away from home. But like Bradford City, really tough game. They had a penalty to make it to all when we had 10 men. They miss it. We win the game. Like yeah, Shrewsbury all over us for 60 minutes. They score a dodgy own goal and we beat them 2-0. And like, even AFC Wimbledon, that was a game where they dominated us. We made some changes, got it to 1-1. They miss a really good chance. We have a handball on the line that we get away with. And then Catamol volleys in a goal five minutes from time. So it's not as if when we played these lower teams, we've had it all our own way. But whether whether playing at home that'll be different. It'll be it'll be interesting to see whether this is maybe sort of like the point where we sort of have our statement win that we're after. Yeah, potentially. I mean, we've just had a massive drumming at home four nil to to Doncaster Rovers, so uh, we're definitely vulnerable at the minute. Uh, like I said earlier, it's a really good time to play us. Um, yeah. <sighs> It's, it's difficult. I guess you, you guys have played a lot of the, the better teams at home this season and the lesser sides away. Would that be fair to say your first half of the season? That's probably right. I'm trying to think. So we've had Barnsley at home. We've had Peterborough at home. We had Doncaster away and Luton away. I'm trying to think of the other big teams. We play Portsmouth away soon. So yeah, I guess, I guess we've had a lot of the mid to lower table teams. Yeah, we've had a mix really. We've had a mix, but like... Yeah. The teams that have been successful at home against us were Fleetwood and Oxford, who played us quite early in the season when maybe our football was a bit too idealistic. And both those teams were able to sort of catch us cold early on, which is something that I think the manager and the players have addressed. And then Wickham recently. And in that game, I just thought we were really complacent. It was like, because we were on the really good run of beating teams 1-0, of keeping clean sheets. It's like we sort of let the first half drift and went in a half time nil nil thinking we've got this. And then they score against a run of play and all of a sudden we're in an absolute dogfight. And that was a game where I wonder whether it was more mentality than tactics that sort of let us down. So it feels as if we're starting to to put the wins together at home and figure it out. Yeah. I I'm not sure if 
this is going to be a mentality thing or a, a, if I'm honest I just think I just think you're like class us um, all over the pitch is what I'm expecting uh, I guess the worrying thing for us is that we've played a lot of the bottom half at home and the only team we've beaten is Wimbledon um, and away from home has been mostly mid-table we haven't played many of the big boys yet and I think you are like the first side and maybe the top four other than Peterborough we've played so it's a bit worrying because we are where we are we've not really we've played the teams we should have beaten at home already if you like yeah yeah and I I remember looking at your sort of last four fixtures when I saw you'd lost the last four and I think I saw was it Shrewsbury at home there's another game at home that you lost and I was like oh shit those are kind of Scunthorpe yeah they're the big ones because yeah Scunthorpe was probably our best performance of the season we um beat them 3-0 our second home game of the season and we blew them away in the first half an hour went 3-0 up and then took our foot took our foot off it and drew the game yeah no and finished the game 3-0 drew the second half 0-0 but I was kind of I've kind of been hoping for another performance like that the only one we really got was Rochdale where we beat them 4-1 but that was more them shooting themselves in the foot than us sort of getting to a really high level so that's that's sort of what I'm really hoping for. Now Powers suspension problems knock on wood are behind him is can we can we sort of put together that run? So Tom Lockyer, is he really your best player in the guy on loan from Watford? Is that is that fair? Um the guy on loan from Watford, Jakubiak, he's not had much game time. He's just one I think could be a good asset if he gets some games under his belt. I would say our best player is probably Liam Circum in the midfield but he's often played on wing. Um, he, he scored 12 goals for us last season from central midfield, um, which is a big, big asset for any club. Um, but this season he's struggled more. He's been played on the wing. He's been told maybe to play a more holding role when he does play centre mid. Um, I think he is, if he's unleashed and he's allowed to get forward, as I know he can, he is our best player. Lockyer is probably our biggest asset in terms of his age, his appearances he's got and his Welsh caps. So, in January, he could be interesting. It could be interesting to see if we offload him and try and make a million from him and invest it in the club, or if we keep him and um, keep our defence as it is. It'd be interesting to say. But yeah, I'd say Circum Circum is one of our better players. Um, it's really difficult for me to name another good player on our side at the minute, other than Circum, who hasn't even been playing well. I just know he has probably got the ability to win games more so than other players in our team. Wow! Wow! This is it's it's one of these where it's just like I'm I'm trying not to get too overconfident because you're painting the picture of a rosy, comfortable home win, and we've not had one of them in a while, and we could really do with a a statement performance. I'm 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 hoping that you're not leading me up for a fall here, and, <laughs> and that I'm not going to say something stupid on this podcast, Jinx, and you're going to be the team that. The ends yeah. are unbeaten, run at home, and and shit houses their way to the to the one nil loss. We're inevitably going to get somewhere along the road this season. Yeah, it was really difficult to say because when you sack a manager, you have no idea how much the players are putting in, how much they're holding back, um, what kind of style we're going to play now that Daryl's not here. If it's going to change under the caretaker, or if the players say we want to go four four two, we want to go four three three with this player here. And we could just put in a completely new performance and everyone could be like, wow, OK, we've maybe got a chance of staying up here. Or it could be more of the same. I'm, I'm going to be honest, we lost 4-0 at home to Doncaster. 
and it was dreadful. It was absolutely dreadful. And, you know, I look at this team and I think it's looked for a long time like it's going down, it, like it's got no quality in it going forwards and not a lot of quality at the back. So um, it could, it, something good could could happen, but I don't know. I don't see it. I've, I mean, I'm, I'm going up myself. I don't know why I'm going up. It's my birthday this weekend. So I don't know why I'm flying to Scotland, getting the train down to Newcastle, staying overnight in Newcastle to watch us lose 4-0 and then spend half my birthday in an airport and then flying back. But it's just football, I guess, you know? The, the night out will be good. That's that's yeah. one thing. The night that's out the will definitely reason. be good. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that, is, that is something actually that was, that was on my list. I completely forgot. Sort of, was this a game that you sort of look at at the start of the season and think Stadium of Light, biggest stadium in League One by an absolute mile, former Premier League club, I'll be, it'll be fun. That'll be a fun one. That's one to definitely go for. Is this a big game for Rovers or is it a case of the season has been such a slog so far that it's more like, oh, it's Saturday, here we go again? Yeah, for sure. I mean, at the start of the season, everyone's waiting for the fixture list because everyone wanted to know when Sunderland was basically for mainly for the night out because we know we we're probably going to lose. But it is one that we looked out for at the start of the season. I mean, you can't kid yourself as you are the Manchester United of this division, just like we were when we were in the non-league. It's, it's an enjoyable experience when you are the biggest club in the league. Um, but And everyone looks to beat you. I guess it's hard because um, you are the team to beat. Everyone wants to prove a point when they come to you. So... We were excited to looking forward to it at the start of the season. Um, we booked our flights. I think the, the day of the fixture list came out, so um, got it in early. But as as the as the months have ticked by and the losses come in, it's come to the after the Doncaster defeat last week. I was just thinking, what am I doing? I do not want to go up all that way to watch us lose. Um, but here we are. It's football. It's what we do as fans. Yeah, no, it'll 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 be a fun one. I mean, yeah, we've we've not been blowing teams away, so I think you'll at least get that first that first half an hour when you're up in the nosebleeds, thinking, "Oh, here we go." I, I, it'll be yeah, I think it'll be a fun one. Um, I guess I guess it's that time. I guess I've got a good feeling of where you're going with this one. Let's let's get the score predictions in then. Um, I'm gonna go three one Sunderland. I'll I'll go two 0 We we don't generally blow teams away. I I don't think we've got it in us to really give someone a thump. And I think if we did, it would have happened by now. But a team, yeah, a team that's good defensively can frustrate us. A team with good attackers can get at us. A team that's seen little evidence of either. We should we should have enough class to beat. So that's what so I'm hoping on. Fingers crossed. Um, yeah, the last time I did this podcast, we beat Bradford two one. So it'd be good to. Keep yeah. that run going and yeah brilliant Max thanks a lot for your time um, once again it was the gas cast that you guys are on right that is correct yep perfect and yeah thanks everyone for listening as always keep subscribed to the Roker Report feed we've got loads of good stuff coming I'm sure Connor and Gav have a ton more guests lined up for next week and going into the Christmas period so thanks a lot and yeah once again Max all the best well thanks for having me on no problem at all Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.